Welcome to the Healthcare IT Today interview series. We feel lucky to be able to talk to so many smart, passionate, and knowledgeable people in healthcare. Now, we're taking our favorite interviews and sharing them with you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy perspectives on the world of health IT. Hi, I'm Colin Hung today at HITMIC, and I'm sitting down with Dr. Este Garrity, who is the Chief Medical Officer and Health Solutions Director at ESRI, ESRI. Thank you for sitting down with me, Dr. Garrity. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Colin. Now, you recently presented at our virtual HitMake 20 event, and you did this phenomenal presentation in 20 minutes about some of the work that you're doing with GIS and the COVID vaccine or potential work that you're doing with the COVID vaccine. Can you maybe describe a little bit about or give us a quick overview of that presentation? Sure. Um, I can do it in five steps because that's what I've been talking about a lot lately is uh, five really practical steps where GIS can support uh, speedy and equitable distribution of vaccine. And the first step is going to seem really obvious, but in a way it's harder than you think, and that is identifying the facilities that can actually administer the vaccine. And the reason that's so complicated is because the vaccines that are coming on the market, certainly the, the Pfizer one coming out uh, today, requires ultra-cold storage and not every place has that level of capacity. And you want to know for any facility, how many people can they actually devote to vaccination? And uh, so then you get a sense of how many population over time they can vaccinate. So the facility question sounds easy, but there's a lot of detail involved. The second thing that uh, governments need to do is prioritize the population. And they've been doing that, right? There's been great CDC guidance. There's been guidance from the National Academies talking about equitable distribution. And uh, the states have started uh, and mostly completed their micro planning. But when you talk about that geographically, you wanna know where are those different populations by phase so that in the third step, you can do the matching. Right? Where are the facilities? Where are the people? And is there adequate access, given what you already have available, to serve the population? I can tell you right now there's going to be gaps. Right? There will be areas that are too far away, um, individuals who could fall through the cracks if we're not watching for it. But when you take a geographic perspective, you can watch for it. And that's where you can come up with alternate ways to reach those populations, whether you have a temporary drive-through clinic or a mobile outreach uh, effort where you really wanna be able to optimize that mobile van and, and where they go and serve communities. So those are the first three steps. The fourth and the fifth step uh, involve maybe um, the fourth one's more operational and the fifth one is actually right up uh, your alley with um, communications and, and marketing information. So let me start with that fourth step. It's about inventory management. Mm. So the vaccine can actually degrade um, if it's not treated properly, especially the ones that require the ultra cold storage. Plus you just really need to be able to see who has vaccine, who doesn't, how quickly is it being used, so we created a methodology for managing that inventory from place to place, vaccine to vaccine, given all their different requirements. And then the last part is really what in many ways I think is the big one right now, and that is the communication. How do we provide communication to the public so that they know when is it their turn to be vaccinated? 
Where can they go to get their vaccine? What was their experience like so they can share it with others so that we start to build trust and potentially reduce vaccine hesitancy, which goes to the last part of this communication piece. And that is really focused and strategic communication, looking at how different communities like to receive their information. What is the primary language in that community? Uh, even what is the educational level so that the messages can really resonate and help people make the best decision for themselves. And that was one of the things I found most fascinating about your presentation. I mean, you know, I'm a GIS fan. I'm a fan of yours, but, <laughs> but the fact that you were able to look at a, a map, if you will, and kind of identify what percentage of the population was essentially too far away from one of your potential vaccination sites, like whether it was 50 miles or 25 miles, whatever parameter you set. I mean, that is a key step, I would imagine, for public health authorities and to identify, hey, like, we want to make sure we get these people covered, but they're just too far away from one of our vaccination sites. Right. Well, that's where you start thinking about, you go back to my first step, which was identifying facilities, because that's where you might want to be creative. Who else can potentially deliver vaccines? Could it be dialysis centers? Could it be blood banks, uh, poison control centers? Um, where are these other places in the community? The independent pharmacies, for example. There are people out there who have training that involves you know, needles and bodies. Right? <laughs> and how can we connect the two and, and uh, maybe a, a short um, jump to be able to train to deliver the COVID vaccine? So, so I think that's where you want to start identifying candidate facilities so that you can see where those might overlap with the underserved populations. And outside of that, that's where I think you need those um, more temporary ways of delivering vaccine, whether you have, uh, you know, again, a drive-through or a walk-up clinic that people can attend or a mobile outreach effort. Uh, sometimes we have to go to the people, right? There are some people that no matter what your messaging is, they're unlikely to either hear the messaging or come to you. So you've got to go to them. And that was the other part that I, again, found super fascinating, which was uh, adding a geographic element to what you called the, the, the vaccine hesitancy. Um, and so can you maybe just go a little bit more in depth about like what, how would you use a, a GIS system to kind of map that or look at that? Like what would, what would appear on there that give me an indication my message is not resonating? Yeah, so you can do a couple of different things. Uh, one thing we're looking into, we have business partners who are uh, really good at doing sentiment analysis. So you could, um, you know, use some of that kind of prepackaged effort and look at that geographically to see where you, you think you're going to have a problem, where people are already saying, oh, not me. And, uh, and you might want to start your messaging there. You could uh, actually use geographic tools to survey the population. We have some uh, state organizations that have already built that, and they're starting to ask people, are you likely to want to get the vaccine? And so collect your own data, look at that geographically. Um, and then there is uh, actually some evidence potentially arising with the fact that we've got two doses. So you could even look at people who got the first dose and where those individuals are, where they live, and whether or not they got a second dose, um, because that might give you more insight about their hesitancy to uh, continue with the progress they've made. Once you have that information, 
um, you can start then using the right marketing channels, the right messaging channels uh, to provide a message that works. Here's the problem and the reason why geography helps with this, because you can't use all channels everywhere all the time. It's too expensive. So, too expensive. <laughs> so you really want to make sense of your resources uh, as you deliver them. That's just amazing, right? Because we don't really think about, um, I'll call it hesitancy or reluctance at a, at a regional level. We, we kind of paint the brush of, well, this we've got this group it's sort of out there somewhere who doesn't want to take it, but we never zero in on maybe it's a specific area of the city and maybe it's because of, you know, X or Y bad experience, or maybe it's because of these reasons. And by seeing that you may be able to, as you say, be able to target your messaging and reach out to that community a little bit uh, more effectively. So. Yes. And I think we've seen that this is true when, uh, if you look at the measles vaccine, that um, the places where we've had outbreaks in the past have been places of higher vaccine hesitancy. So there's not that vaccine-induced herd immunity we're all striving for, and therefore you have a problem. So it's kind of the, the past history of outbreaks really informs what this could look like going forward if we're not really focused on the message. Well, that actually brings up my next question. Um, is anyone using your system right now to plan for the COVID vaccine or, and, and have they used it at all, maybe for like say the flu vaccine or any of the, these kinds of things in the past? Yes, absolutely. Uh, flu vaccine is a, a great um, example. We've seen a couple of different things um, from hospital systems using uh, flu mapping to understand when their uh, emergency room might become overrun with flu cases and then separating them to um, make sure that the infectious folks aren't infecting non-infected sure. people. Uh, so we've certainly seen that. We saw recently uh, Carleton County, Minnesota did um, a drive-through flu clinic, a flu vaccine clinic, and that was really interesting. They used a survey tool um, that we offer to do like the pre-registration so people could do that electronically on their smartphone. And then they had, uh, during the drive-through, people could see on a big dashboard, you know, when they get vaccinated, you know, the number ticked up. And uh, what they found actually was that that pre-registration and getting people driving through was motivating and uh, actually helped them vaccinate many more people than they ever had before. In fact, some of the comments, people could comment on the process and they said, this is great for kids because you don't have to take them out of the car, for example, and um, and please do this for COVID. So they really liked that. <laughs> now, um, did they use your system at all to help position where those uh, clinics were located? Yes, so we've seen that as well. And when I was mentioning before the, um, the mobile outreach, we've seen mm -hmm. that in several examples. We saw it for uh, hepatitis A, um, how they sent out foot teams and mobile teams to uh, vaccinate homeless populations in that case uh, that were really um, kind of the, the impetus, the starting point for a hepatitis A outbreak that really uh, captured a lot of attention in the city. And, um, oh gosh, I'm already, I, I had another example in mind. No, that's great. I mean, that's just great yeah. on its own. The fact that they're using the, uh, the mapping, if you will, and the location information to decide where uh, to best have these things. I also like the idea, of course, of it'd be nice to be able to have stickers that you were number 1,300 that got vaccinated today. <laughs> well, speaking of that, we have uh, envisioned an app for COVID 
that is the I Got Vaccinated app. So uh, it's not a sticker, but you can, you know, put your point on a map and uh, mention your experience. You could add a selfie if you want to say, hey, I did it and I'm okay. <laughs> That's great. And, and I suppose once you've identified these people, you could, in theory, track uh, regions that have and their vaccination levels in terms of how many have received it and so forth. So you yes. can say, hey, this this area is pretty good. We're at 90% or 80%. Uh, this area is at 30. Maybe we want to put more effort there to try and get people to come to the vaccination center. Or if it's just a supply issue, we know where the next set of supplies need to go kind of thing. Well, you've got that exactly right. And I'll even take it one step further um, with a business partner that we have. They're really interesting. Their name is Epistemics. And what they can show um, using their own platform and then visualized and, and presented on our platform is that um, the level of uh, herd immunity, the level of vaccine needed to produce herd immunity is different in different places. Mm. In the past, we've always said, you know, like for measles, you need 95% vaccinated to get herd, to herd immunity. The current numbers going around for COVID are between 50 and 67%. But I will tell you that the reason it's different is because maybe in rural communities, there's less interaction of people and the requirement to get herd immunity lower versus an urban community. So our business partner, Epistemics, is able to tell you for different places when you've actually reached herd immunity given your vaccination program. So pretty cool stuff. That is amazing. Uh, and you're so right, because if we just say, hey, we need 95%, then that's a pretty high bar for some places and maybe beyond what is necessary. And with such precious few little uh, vaccines at the beginning, you can see that, yeah, if I only need 40% over here, but 90% over here, but yet I had assumed 90% everywhere, you can see where there's a lot of, um, I guess you're not sending the vaccine to the places that need it more. Um, so yeah, wow, I mean, the whole point is, how can we end this pandemic as quickly as possible? And there are a lot of approaches, but there's only a few approaches that are gonna get us there faster. And I think a, a geographic and a strategic approach can do that. So how would I start this? I mean, it sounds like I had to have a lot of information already available, like in terms of the facilities, who has cold storage or who's on that cold chain that we're all learning about right now. Uh, is that information that I have to have ahead of time? Is this stuff that I can gather once I get you know, a system like yours in place? Like how, how does that kind of work? Yeah, it's a great question because uh, there, there are, many options. It kind of depends on preferences. I'll, I'll give you an example. We uh, stood up a website and have a bunch of demonstrations there on how this could look. And we've had uh, states who are very competent in using GIS software, just do it. <laughs> they didn't call us, they didn't need anything. They were just ready to go and they made it happen. Um, on the other hand, we have others who we've presented our information to and they're like, this is fantastic. We don't necessarily have all the skills to do it. Can you help us? And so there's that range from do it yourself to full service. Um, but I will say that we have a lot of the underlying data resources that people will need for that planning and prioritization piece. We have an amazing amount of demographic data, 15,000 variables um, probably about 2,200 of them are demographics coming from the Census and American Community Survey. But there's spending data, behavior data, 
business level data, all of that stuff could be really important. Let me give you an example of that. Mm -hmm. I look through our business data, for example, and try to get a sense of where are the dry ice suppliers if I wanted to redistribute the vaccine from one place to another under cold storage conditions. So lots of data that uh, people can use. So you could connect with us to get the tools, or if you have the tools, you can build it yourself. Um, you can use our data and that will help you, or you could kind of get the full service treatment and you'd like us to really help make it happen uh, in the way that your jurisdiction needs it to happen. It sounds like I don't have to sort of spend a amount of time collecting all this information about my local regions and areas. It sounds like, hey, you may have some of it already with the database and some of the information that you have access to, or B, you'll help me get it in the right way. So I'm not wasting time just gathering information incorrectly and not putting it into my into the system correctly. So yes, I would say the only information that we don't have is how much vaccine is being delivered to each of your venues, um, you know, and which venues you've selected. And uh, of course, we can help you to enhance the list of candidates available, but uh, those would be more local decisions. Wow, just amazing. And so if I was a, a city public or public health official watching this uh, or kind of listening to all the stuff that's happening right now, how would you recommend they get started with something like this? Sounded like there was a website or something I could maybe go to first? There is. Uh, <laughs> you're so good, Colin. Um, <laughs> so it's a relatively easy uh, URL. It would be coronavirus-resources.esri, which is esri.com. And when you go to that site, that site's got a ton of information about all of COVID, but you only have to go down uh, a couple inches and you'll see a, a box that talks about vaccine distribution. And then when you go to that box, you will see the whole website. You'll see all the tools we have, the five steps I outlined for you and a demonstration of each one. And at the very bottom of that, there's a link you can click. Uh, that will connect directly with us. And uh, we respond to those within 24 hours and help you get going. That sounds amazing. Now I have to end off our, our conversation by, I always ask you this question, which is, you know, what are you guys working on next? What's, <laughs> what, what is the team at Esri cooking up for us uh, in, the, in the next round of things once we get past this COVID vaccination? It's a great question. And I hope I hope that uh, your listening audience will find this uh, response as exciting as I do, but you might think it's anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> that is the next big thing is beefing up public health preparedness, right? I mean, we've struggled through this year. We've recognized that our systems are imperfect. All systems are imperfect, but those gaps uh, in systems become really magnified during a crisis. So I think at this moment in time, there's tremendous visibility on what needs to be fixed, what needs to change. And so our next big thing is really helping um, health and public health organizations bump up, uh, modernize, get their public health preparedness systems um, teed up for whatever happens next. Because of course, this is an awful year, but it's not the last crisis we'll face. And uh, we should all be better prepared uh, at every opportunity we can. And this is such a great opportunity for learning and uh, leapfrogging to the next step. 
Oh, I'm excited. I, I'm excited because you're right. Public health is <laughs> one of those ones that has been ignored for a lot of time, a, lo- a long time. It had its budgets cut uh, because we didn't we didn't need it. We didn't. Uh, there wasn't a big public health crisis. Well, pretty much since SARS, right? The original mm-hmm. SARS, um, and and then they got we got caught <laughs> when when this one hit. Where yeah. we just you're right. We we really really uh, felt the gaps that have uh, in our public health system. So hopefully through your tools and other uh, willingness to invest, uh, we'll be able to be a bit more prepared for the next one. I sure hope so. All right. Well, Dr. Garrity, thank you so much for your time today. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. I've always learned so much. (laughs) Thank you for so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Colin. This is Colin Hung with Healthcare IT Today and HITMIC. Thanks for listening.